Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Spotify Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together and talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help me answer the question if Twitter is dead, where does film Twitter go? Don't know, let us know. It is a very important question. I'm your host, Ash Lovely. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. It'll be really weird. So it'll be like, so film Freds, film, film Sky, Sky. Um, film, film Mastodon. Film Mastodon. No, that's, that's why Mastodon on file. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, Film Hive works. Film Mastodon is not a good name. The rest <laughs> sound at least somewhat good. okay. The m- movie Mastodon. Nah. No? I can Mastodon. Mastodon's done now that I've, I've said this out loud. That's the end of Mastodon. <laughs> just killed you like oh fuck dylan's off mastodon dead no sell it to elon no. merge who cares <laughs> all right uh on today's episode of what do you want to watch we'll be discussing watch our watch the tree talking about some film news give it some thumbs to trailers and talk about this week's top three over on this podcast feed you might have noticed we've got a spoiler cast up for indiana jones and the dollar destiny the latest entry in the indiana jones franchise with the returning Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Uh, this time directed by James Mangold, uh, also starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge and uh, Antonio Banderas for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, Mads Mikkelsen, he's the main bad guy. Broad Holbrook's in there as well. Uh, in which Indiana Jones chases down a dial of destiny. <laughs> um, Dylan, do you want to share your non-spoilerly thoughts on the new I feel like Indiana my Jones non-spoiler film. thoughts and thought, spoiler thoughts are the same, but yeah, it was all right. Hey, um, first uh, first half was good, sort of absolutely destroys its momentum halfway through. Um, but up until that point, I thought it was in for a pretty good Indiana Jones film, and then it just becomes like a okay, like it was a film. I've already forgot. I've already forgot about it. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. Where I was very much enjoying it up to a certain point, a point that we both pinpointed was the point that the movie ground to a halt and sunk to the bottom of the ocean um yeah it's it's a enjoyable enough experience i guess it's cool seeing harrison ford excited to be in movies again phoebe waller bridge is really fun uh mads mickelson is doing is not the best mads mickelson villain but it's a solid mads mickelson villain uh because that's he can't do any worse than that um yeah i mean it, it's totally fine i mean vi- visually is quite interesting like obviously the a big point has been made of like the de-aging stuff uh there's a very long sequence in which they go back to 1945 end of the world war Two, fighting hitler uh and harrison ford looks pretty good uh probably some of the best de-aging technology that we've seen well, so I did far. see a funny. I did see a funny. Someone did the gif of like at the start of the movie where the bags pulled off his head and it reveals, reveals him. And then I think the tweet just said something. Tweet, <laughs> tweets. <laughs> Talk about my camp, people. Uh, the tweet <laughs> said, um, "You know, when you see this face, you didn't imagine the voice of an eighty-year-old man coming out of the body." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. It's you know, it, you can understand why they spent. It was so much money was spent on this movie for the that DRG trilogy, uh, but yeah, it's fine. Um, do I recommend going to see it in the cinemas? 
probably. I reckon not. if you if you want to watch it, watch it at the cinema. I don't. Yeah. I, I think I think there's enough spectacle here. If you if you care about this movie, watch it at the cinema because like it's definitely going to be more enjoyable on the big screen and everything like that. But yeah, yeah. it's it's still just not like it's a hard. You don't care, it, yeah, if you don't care about Indiana Jones, I'm not going to say like rush out to watch this. But if you yeah. like the other ones and you want to watch it and you're like, oh, I might wait for Netflix. I'd be like, well, again, it's a fucking action blockbuster. Like, if you care enough to want to watch it later, I'd say just go watch it at cinema. Personally. Okay. At least the first half of the movie has some really good action scenes that we did enjoy. That I think yes. is worth watching on the cinema. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, it, it definitely falls off a cliff. And, you know, it it that's just in our opinion, because I've seen a lot of people very positive on it. I think it's got a pretty high audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. The critic score has gone up considerably since uh it's been properly released like all the uh non people non can people watched it <laughs> uh the score has gone up uh so what it's sitting at 69 on rotten tomatoes at the moment and uh, nice. it is nice i mean should stay there not move at all uh an 88 percent audience score so uh yeah you know check it out in the cinemas i guess uh, so I finally got the chance to go out and watch Elemental. So, of course, this is the latest film from Pixar, directed by Peter Son, who previously did uh, The Good Dinosaur, which I've never seen. Um, I've seen that one actually. Yeah, I just wanted to fill that in just because it might shock you. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that movie is obviously one of the least liked. Uh, Pixar yeah, films. I didn't love it. So no, yeah. Uh, so Peter Song gets his second chance. Uh, this time it's uh, it's a uh, set in a world in which elements or like fire, earth, and water and air creatures exist coexist in a one city uh, called Element City. Uh, but like, it's a pretty clear. Uh, I guess it's a New York City like kind of pool where at the end like and five people are like asian people um and it's kind of like a romantic comedy sort of where you've got this uh fire girl called amber who you know her parents came to element city leaving all their family behind and like giving sacrifices first first uh generation immigrants um so she feels like she needs to be the perfect daughter and do all the things that the good daughter would do and like take over the family business and that sort of stuff and she meets wade who's a emotional water thing um and they they strike up some sort of chemistry uh you know through the power of uh city permits sure Oh, that's, that's a sentence. <laughs> that's, yeah, what's a... Yeah, he works for the city, and they've got a bunch of uh, city violations, like plumbing violations, so he has to report it, and now she has to... They have to work together to stop all this water leakage happening in her, uh, her family business, otherwise they're going to lose the business. Crazy, you know? I enjoyed it. I think it is very beautiful to look at. Obviously, it is not... Uh, visually as striking as like some other films like spider-verse or like uh the la the puss in boots and that kind of stuff like it's not instantly clear like the beauty of the film 
I don't think, you know, like, or it's not so, not so different from the norm, I think is probably the best, uh, explanation, but it is incredibly beautiful, incredibly incredible work by Pixar, so much incredible lighting, because obviously, um, she's a fire creature, so she puts off a certain amount of light, and like, he's also a water creature, so the light going through the water creature causes different lighting effects and that kind of stuff really interesting world that i feel like you don't get enough time in unfortunately um yeah there's lots of uh cool little things with like the elements and that kind of stuff um the way they get around and how they exist and like all the different foods they there's so many probably like funny jokes like in the backgrounds of different signs for like businesses and that kind of stuff of offering different services and that kind of thing um but it's hard it's like a really solid romance um but also a fantastic like immigrant story um about this girl trying to find you know the balance of chasing your dreams and then doing what you think you have to do for your family which is such a common theme in immigrant movies and that kind of stuff so um i really dug it um i would have loved more of the world and that kind of stuff i wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of spin-off like i wouldn't be surprised if there is a elemental plus uh sometime in the future much in the way there was a zootopia plus uh see mm. a bunch of shorts or something like that um not doing well at the box office though it's doing solid i think um at least here in australia it was number one for the last couple of weeks i feel like it it did well that it came out like at school holiday time um i'm not sure obviously it didn't do fantastic numbers in the u.s yeah. um but what is at the moment <laughs> um it's sort of sad that when you like but like this plus indiana jones like major things that you'd assume would always do well you're like yeah it's like it's important like there's so many different layers as to why you know we why this movie didn't do as well as other pixar movies whether it's pixar being constantly shafted straight to disney plus and everybody's like oh we'll just wait 31 days and it'll come to disney plus we'll watch it then uh through to there was barely any marketing i don't think anybody who wasn't i well i it's easy for me to say there's no marketing because like everything is curated to uh you know market what they the algorithm thinks is best for you um so not necessarily i'm not necessarily a target demographic for elemental uh marketing but i didn't see anything for barely anything if we weren't doing a podcast it's like uh, or I wasn't into film news. Like, would I really know about this movie coming out? Um, and and the story. It's I don't think the story itself. It's not really a kids movie, which is the crazy. It's like I said. There's a bunch of stuff about city permits and like regulations, and then there's a, an adult romance. Um, there's not a lot there for children to grasp onto, um, other than you know like the important messages and that kind of stuff. Not that animated films need to be for children. They're uh, animation is... They're cinema! cinema. <laughs> um, but if your target gra- demographic is kids in general, you would expect it to be a bit more of a kids movie. But um, yeah, I would recommend checking it out in the cinema because it is, it is a very good-looking movie, as you would expect from Pixar. And uh, yeah, very pretty. Uh, Dylan, we've both finished watching the first season of Silo, uh, the Apple TV Plus series starring Rebecca Ferguson, um, in which 
a bunch of people have been living in a silo over many generations after some sort of events. We don't know. We don't why know why, but it's been several. <laughs> we don't know why, uh, but it's not today. Um, I is is Silo this year Severance? Uh, so far, yes. Like, as far as like, it's the best. It's definitely the best show to come out of Apple TV this year, which is saying something because um, what's my called? Jason Segel was very good as well, and there was another season of Trinking was very good as well. Yeah, there was another season of Ted Lasso. But um, yeah, Silo's definitely. Uh, I'd probably have to think more safe as my. It's I would say it's my favorite show this year so far. Yeah. Can I think of what else has been? What else do I like <laughs> this year? It was Breaking Bad. I don't know. This... <laughs> Off the top of my head, no, there's no Breaking Bad. <laughs> there's no Better Call Saul. Fucking rest in peace. Um, but no, it's definitely it's definitely one of the best shows of the year easily so far. I've I've been loving watching it week by week. You were only just you binge watched yep. to catch up, so I've I've been having a good I've been having a true experience like, over here, Ash, week by week. Living, living the experience know. of like, oh what yeah. what's going on? And I look it is a absolutely stellar show. The pacing, the reveals, the the moments, it's got this fantastic cast. Rebecca Fer- Ferguson is amazing in it. Um, all the little characters who you think aren't getting much screen time for the first like four or five episodes suddenly become very important in the, in the last second half of the season, and like, yeah, I I I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and I can't the way it ends. I was like, what the fuck? Um, very tempted to just go look up spoilers for books, but I won't because I'm like, that, that's how much I just want to know what's happening. Yeah. Um, there was a yes, double twist at the end. Li- like, what? Mm. What? Yeah. So very keen. I was very happy to see they already confirmed season two's happening. So good, good, good. More people watch it so I can get the whole fucking story. Like sure it doesn't get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Every show I like now, I'm like, please. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard to tell with Apple TV because I haven't really can't well, they haven't really cancelled anything yet from memory. Not really. I mean, nothing that they've and... done a second season of. <laughs> I mean, C's up to three seasons and stuff like this that shows the shit. So, the morning yeah, show got know. another three seasons or whatever. So, yeah. Like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think fantastic. Like, even though I did, like, binge watch the last few episodes, I'm like, I need to be caught up because I know it's going to have some sort of crazy ending. And it certainly does. Um, the build-up of the incredible season, like, all the characters, like, uh, the Billings character, I thought was a really interesting character to build up the season. Uh, it's crazy. Um who was it? Harriet Walk, Walters, Harriet, Harriet, what, Harriet Walter, Martha. who plays Martha, uh, the almost yeah. mother figure to Rebecca Ferguson's character. She's been in. She was in the season finale of Severance. Then she was in the season finale of Ted Lasso, and now she's in this show. Fantastic year. It's <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, just the the arc of Rebecca Ferguson's characters over the season, like. Just the slow reveal of the mystery she's trying to solve. Um, I appreciate the show giving you a lot of answers, and then like here's a bunch more questions. There's like ah, oh. it it did give me the same feeling that you had when when I watched the end of Severance, um, where you felt like you knew so many things and then like crazy reveals happened, and you're like, that's why I'm like, and I feel like this show was also had that like same slow burn. I don't think it had like a massive audience. This is a good slow burn though. This is a slow burn I can appreciate. No, but like the also the slow burn build of the audience, I feel as well. 
Like, I, oh, like it's, it we're still in the it. early days of people like spreading the good word. Um, people are going to be talking about this later in the year. You, you, we'll, we'll, I think this will take off once once we figure out what social media app we can talk about it on. <laughs> yes. It'll help us be able to spread the good word. I know? mean, you know. <laughs> Apple TV out here trying to keep Tid Water alive by putting out the first episode. Like here's um, the whole fucking first episode. Fine. Here's the whole fucking episode, you know. <laughs> Check this use this for one E six hundred views. Uh, <laughs> Elon. <laughs> um which is you know, I don't think I've ever seen another series do that. No. Today, which is I would say I've seen first episodes go up on YouTube. Yeah, but not on actual not social on media. <laughs> not on the worst possible platform to watch <laughs> yeah. it on. Uh, I was like sure of sort of putting it on your Apple Watch, I don't know. <laughs> um yeah just craziness so um silo check it out it's 10 episodes uh it's it's a fantastic ride crazy production design um uh, just the it's such an interesting silo <laughs> to, to to see in that kind of stuff so um yeah i just i know i said it i just want to reiterate again because i feel like it's kind of performance that won't get enough attention I actually generally believe Rebecca Ferguson is very fucking good in this. It's a very nuanced performance, but like th- there was that moment where mm. she's watching um, a certain video in the last like two episodes mm. of someone and the amount of like stuff happening amongst her like eyes and face and stuff like is like it's it, the, the problem with this role is that she's a character on a mission most of the time and she's keeping a lot of her emotions um yeah purposely emotionally stunted yeah yeah but like it, I I yeah it's she's very fucking good in the show, I think. Yeah, and I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Tim Robbins and Common also get some love. Yeah, they are uh, both good as well. Yeah, both pretty good. All right, uh, Dylan, you finally got around to watching Becky, this is the the Joel and Bacal movie, right? So it's got to be hilarious. Yeah, so the second one came out this year, and I remember the trailer or whatever um, that has um. Sean William, uh, Sean William Scott is that his name? Stifler? No, yeah, yes, yeah. So that one's come out, and I was like, "That's not out to watch yet." But I was trying to You're prepare myself because I want to watch it. Yeah, so I was like, "Fuck, I should." I never got around to watching the first one, so I should. I should watch the first one before that comes out. But yeah. So Becky, the first one is um the wildest cast <laughs> for for, a, for a a movie, but it's so you've got this girl played by Lulu Wilson, Becky. She's goes out to this. Uh, she goes out to a cabin with her dad, who's played by John McHale, and they're there with his uh, his new partner, um, uh, who whatever her name is. And she's play. Uh, she's like got her son there, right? So there's four of them there. Um, Becky's mum passed away, and like that's something she's dealing with, and it's the first time she's back there, so she's a little bit upset and all this, this sort of stuff. Anyway, on the other side of the movie, you have Kevin James <laughs> playing a full-blown Nazi, which <laughs> is not the thing I would expect. And the by King of f- Queens. <laughs> yeah. And by <laughs> full-blown Nazi, I mean SWAT sticker tattooed on the back of his head, massive beard. Like, it is, like, he's full-on, right? It's Kevin James. Like, you've never seen Kevin James before. Very weird, but, you know, appreciate him going for the wild swing. Um, and they break out of a, they're, like, on a prison transport vehicle and whatever. They manage to escape, and you guess what happens next. Of course, they come across the how, the home, and um, they're there for a MacGuffin, basically, <laughs> which is, like, some key that, the, that he wants, which I guess leads to some, like, riches or something. They never actually 
tell you, which I don't mind because <laughs> I was like, well, it doesn't really matter. But anyway, Becky's like, Becky goes fucking home alone, R rated on these, these groups of group of Nazis basically is what it is. So she's trying to protect her family. She's trying to stop the, the bad guys, all these, these sorts of things. But yeah, it's, it's a, a little, I don't know how old she's supposed to be like 16 or whatever. Um, 16 year old girl versus some Nazis uh, is, is the movie. It, it's all right. It's like, it's stupid at times. Uh, the cast is so silly. I think they were going for, I think they knew between casting like John Cale, Kevin James, like it's just, the, the movie has odd oddness a- about it. And this, the way it's shot, and you can tell it's not supposed to be like super serious or anything, even though it's got like Nazis as the, <laughs> the, as the like the dude, lead bad guy and everything. But um, I enjoyed it for what it was, had some like pretty good kills. I thought Lily Wilson did a good job playing Becky. Um, and yeah, I'm keen to check out the second one whenever it, it pops up on VOD here in Australia at some point. I think it's got the Wrath of Becky or some shit. I can't remember. Yeah, the Wrath of Becky. Yeah. Uh, crazy because I thought I thought the person who started this movie was uh, what's her name? Uh, Mackenzie Davis. No, I'm like no, that's not her. Nope, not her. At and all. then I go to the Wikipedia page, and they're using a picture of her from uh, 2017 when she's promoting Annabelle Creation, and she's got it. What she's 17 now, so using a photo when she's like. 11. Crazy. Why? Update that Wikipedia. I think the thing Uh, she'd most be known from Lily Wilson would be um, The Haunting of Hill House. Now? Yeah. Probably. All this, I guess. All this. Or this now, I guess. Yeah. Because the fact it got a second one, I'm like, okay, the first one must have hit like sort of a cult following or something. Yes. But anyway, yeah, the same movie. Yeah, Dylan, you watched a movie called Candyland. What sort of sugary goodness was this? Um, this was like a, I I liked this. I liked. Well, hold on. I'll say I liked seventy percent of this. So this is like a. I have no idea why I watched this either. I literally think I got done watching something, and then I clicked on what it came up like on Apple TV when the credits was playing for that movie, Becky. It was like suggested new movies or something. So I was like, I guess because horror, horror genre. It's like, this thing's available to rent now. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's got a poster with like a girl with a fucking cross with a knife coming out of it, like at a trucker yard. Very like sort of grindhouse looking poster. Grabbed my attention. I was like, all right, I'll, let me, I read the blurb and I went, you know, fuck it. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Let's go. I'll put another movie on. Um, sometimes you just dive in. No trailer. Joe. Um, but yeah, Candyland it is about a group of sex workers who are like sort of working out of this one particular truck stop. Um, that's what they, they do. They sort of live there. They've got like their, um, you know, their, their mother hen or whatever their official name is, I guess, that looks after them and, and stuff like that. And they're working out of here. And the majority of this movie is when it's just dealing with them as characters, the movie is very like... I was reading about it afterwards. It is supposed to like shine a light on this sort of this industry and like people like this is a real thing. Obviously, you know, like sex workers will just sort of stay at these these motels and like work out of them. And, you know, like it's it's a real part of, you know, I I don't want to say like worldwide culture, but definitely, you know, American culture sort of like life. Um, And like the majority of movie, like focusing on that stuff, what they have to deal with. Um, cause it, it's, was it three, there's the three main girls and then there's a guy, 
um, played by Owen Campbell, who's fucking popping up in a lot of shit I'm watching lately. He's also an ex, is why I keep um, spotting him. But anyway, um, he uh, so you got them, and then the, the where stuff starts to get weird is you got this girl played by um, Olivia, whatever her name is, uh, Remy. Uh, she shows up, and she's like part of this like weird religious cult who you like meet at the start of the movie, and then she rocks up, and the girls all take her in. And then um, I like start trying to take care of her and stuff. And then there's this, yeah. So then you've got weird religious cult stuff happening on the side. And then slowly, of course, people start dying and you're trying to work out who it is. The back end of the movie, when when it sort of just goes full bone slasher and people are dying, I was like, eh. Like it was sort of just so paint by numbers. It sort of ruined it a bit for me. But the first 70%, this very like sort of grindhouse, like movie focused on sex workers out of a truck stop thing uh but not done in a like way that was treating those characters badly like it was very like sort of respective i think of those like those like these characters these fake characters but also real people i guess that would do these that that do jobs like this um like yeah i I really enjoyed that part so it was sort of 70 30 on this one all right uh explain to me how you got around to watching body brokers same director (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm like what's the connection so i finished i finished watching candy and i went that was pretty good like i, I remember i got to the end and i'm thinking i like 70 percent of this movie so i look up the director director's name is um john swab and i go i've never watched any of this guy's stuff i start start reading about him start reading about him start reading about his stuff just doing, doing a little bit of research I was like, oh, he does like a, a wide variety of stuff. Like he's not like because I, I come off Candyland and I'm going, okay, so Grindhouse horror thing is this what this is this what he does? And I'm looking and I was like, oh no, there's a pretty like wild direction of stuff here. But I guess a lot of it is my my connecting fabric I found for him based on two movies is um, the the people in the background of American culture. I think is like sort of what he's going for with these different stories, like the the dirty side of of America that you may not hear about, sort of thing. Um, so Body Brokers is about a, um, it was okay. Again, I think there's some pacing movies, pacing issues with this movie, um, but I generally enjoyed the, the story um, and the cast. Like Jack Kilmer, uh, main character in this is very good. Um, Alice Egelhart, she's very good in it. Um, Melissa Leo's got a small part in it. She's pretty good. Uh, Jessica Roth is in there she's good and then Michael Kenneth Williams in it is very good because that's you know he's very good in most things Frank Gillerella has a small part but whatever um, the the plot for this though is you see so you meet the two main characters at the start they're played by um, Alice and Jack and they're like the drug addicts and then um, Michael Kenneth uh, Williams comes in as this character Wood and he's uh, like he just like meets him in a car park and offers to pay for the lunch and then starts introducing um like i i know how to get you rehab i know how to get you rehab but the thing the movie does is it goes and introduces this thing i knew absolutely nothing about which is like the dirty side of rec- treatment cover so what he does is he's recruiting he brings people in and uh, to get treatment and if they don't have like healthcare, which i don't then the way they get money and it gets paid for it and then he gets like a rebate, a commission of bringing in junkies. Like, and they explain it all, how it works for like the American system or whatever. And he's fucking like making a killing. So what, what ends up happening is he ends up doing, um, 
he gets Utah, Jack Kilmer's character, like he gets clean in the first like half hour of the movie or whatever. And he says he wants to come work for, for Wood. And then the two of them, like you, you're there. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie is this like spiraling dark side of having to see like, they're not, they're like not really helping anyone. Like it's all about the money, of course. Like it's just, they're, they're like, it's, yeah, it's a very dark seedy side of the American recovery system that I knew absolutely nothing about. The film had some pacing issues, but very interesting subject matter nonetheless. Awesome. Hmm. All right. Uh, so I watched the American Gladiators documentary. Now, Dylan, do you remember Gladiators? I was a big fan of Australian Gladiators. I had toys and everything. Really? That's, yeah. that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, so American Gladiator documentary is the uh, 30 for 30 ESPN documentary about exploring the American Gladiators. This is uh, told mostly through interviews with uh, the create one of the creators, Johnny C. Ferraro, um, kind of documenting how the show originated and then kind of going over the broad strokes of like the show's run on uh, American television. It ran for like seven seasons. Um, very, it, it definitely felt very broad. The director's interest came in John, Johnny Ferraro. Uh, he's one to not talk about his business partner and co-creator Dan Carl. And like, he like pretty, he, apparently he purchased the life rights to Dan Carl, Dan Carl's life story. And they wouldn't let him interview him as part of the, the documentary. Very weird. So the the documentary it's in two parts, but it like takes this tangent where they're kind of exploring Dan Carr's history and how he became involved. Um, apparently, the whole Dan Carr kind of came up with the concept of gladiators. It can, the show actually uh, originated in like uh, was it uh, Erie, Pennsylvania? All the like iron iron workers there would like kind of compete in these like weird games uh, every now and then. And like yeah, they pulled that from that, they like had like a charity event, uh, and uh, Johnny C. Ferraro was like at the time he was uh, previously a Elvis impersonator <laughs> for a long period of time. Who uh, Johnny Carr worked as a bouncer and like sort of protected him in events and that kind of stuff. They built up a friendship and that kind of thing. So he asked him to come a host or like help with running this charity event. He did. Uh, Johnny Carr decides to no. Uh, Johnny Ferraro decides to like film it. Uh, and then they shop the idea around and eventually it gets picked up. But Johnny Ferraro kind of like uh, pushes Dan Carr out of it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other people who are like uh, pushed out by Johnny Ferraro's greed and that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's very interesting in the kind of like CD business kind of thing. Um, interestingly, like a bunch of the gladiators did not want to be interviewed because they've all got issues with Johnny Ferraro and um, yeah. And, but the the funniest thing <laughs> about this the, the story, um, so there was a 2008 revival of Gladiators in the US, and, and someone points out, wasn't that the year there was a writer strike? And like, yeah. So then they brought the Gladiators back, hosted by Hulk Hogan. Didn't run very well. The show originally got picked up because of a writer strike. So the only reason American Gladiators was ever on the air was because there was a writer strike and they didn't have enough scripted content to put up on television. Uh, so look forward Bring to Gladiators. Back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> come back Gladiators. Yeah, 
<laughs> Craziness. Um, but you know what else is crazy? Mm. What I'm about to talk about in the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. I was about to say, did you watch this one? Cause, or did you watch it? After? I'd watched like part of. I like started this one a while ago. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Because I and then watch I've watched this one. This the one. You're about this to talk one about. Yeah, this one. The uh, muscles and mayhem. Yeah. The unauthorized story of American Gladiators. Yeah. Um, so I started watching this, and this is much more interesting, I guess. It's okay, it's good. told... Th- obviously, it's got all the gladiators involved. Like, they're pretty yeah. much... It's told from their point of view. Um, they're driving the story. They're recounting the, how these kind of things happened. I was um, watching the trailer. They're all talking heads, and everyone in the trailer is like, man, shit's fucked. Shit is fucked. Wait, everything was fucked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, them to- Like, w- I think it's in- it was interesting, like, watching the two um, in companion to each other. Because mm. then, like, I think there's, like, one main Gemini, one main gladiator who read, like, most of the show called Gemini. He's in both documentaries uh, extensively. A lot of the people who were in the ESPN documentary um, weren't, according to what they talk about in this Netflix documentary, were not in the show very much. Okay. Like, they've got this character Malibu, one of the gladiators called Malibu, and like one of the other gladiators is like full on shit talking, saying he's only there to be a pretty boy. Uh, and that was on the other show because he was, mu- he was big and muscly, he didn't, like, he wasn't a competitor, you know? Um, so he got hurt and then was out of the show or whatever. Uh, but then on the other hand, you've got another dude who like seriously injured himself on in one of the shows and like is pretty much living in complete pain now. So it's like and it's addicted to the Oxycontin and all this kind of stuff. So I mean there's there's stuff in that one that is super dark as well. So this one kind of documentary like this one gives I feel like a more season by season like kind of run through of what the show is, at least like the peak period of the show or at least it, where these like main two, three episodes or something? I want to say five. Okay, five. Five part. Um, yeah, kind of documenting the origins, um, like the first season where it was like shit. It like like no first half of a season, it was terrible. It looks like nothing like what we saw in Australia or whatever. It's like a couple of people in like uh, trunks running at each other, no protective gear, nothing, no helmets, like people getting nearly murdered or whatever um i think the funniest part of like the thing they do i think it must be a common thing in america they like kind of kidnap people to come be in the studio audience <laughs> they like went to universal studios and said like oh let's do a studio advertising as if it's going to be some studio tour and they just stick them in the audience of american gladiators <laughs> and because the, because the 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 way they were doing the show early on was uh they took them like several hours to between setups of the different right. games and that kind of stuff so yeah so, so that, it wasn't why that would be inviting as an audience member yeah no yeah to the point where if you go back and watch footage at the audience if you go past like the first like stage of people it's just cardboard cutouts of like plates with faces on them nice <laughs> nice um but yeah really interesting like crazy things that you probably didn't realize or know about obviously it's the american version so it's like not as important to us but like they did like a full tour like a multi-city tour which was would have been freaking ridiculous um and yeah obviously they were like talked about being on steroids and like 
uh, all the like partying and stuff they were kind of doing, and then how much they kind of got screwed over on their deals and that kind of stuff. So I think, yeah, this one is probably the one that's going to be more fun and more populist and um, more interesting because I feel like all the all the gladiators are very charismatic and like have interesting stories and like uh, that kind of stuff. They obviously have a lot of history and they're all quite happy to talk about this stuff. Um, and the other one kind of like fills in interesting gaps. I feel like so I would recommend this one over the ESPN documentary, which is good because this one's probably easier to find. It's on Netflix. All right, uh, Dylan, you watched Run Rabbit Run, the Australian film starring Sarah Snook about rabbits. I don't actually think it's about rabbits. Well, there's a rabbit in it, but that's fine. Um, oh, it was okay. It's, I, I was Ooh. hoping, I was obviously hoping for more out of this one, but um. It's another, what genre do we put this in? Uh, this is the dealing with trauma horror genre. So this is, that, that's what the, this that, that genre of movies. Isn't that just um, elevated horror? Yeah, okay. If you want to get, yeah, it's elevated <laughs> horror. It's fucking elevated horror. That lovely term everyone loves. Um, but you got Sarah Snooks, obviously she plays uh, this mom. Um, she's got the kid Mia. Um, she her kid starts acting all fucking. Well, at the start of the movie, she's perfectly fine, right? So she's um, Damon uh, Harriman or however you say his name plays the like ex husband. Um, he's like got a new partner now and a kid, and um, but like everything seems like semi normal. Like Sarah's a bit stressed, but she seems like an easily stressed person. But like whatever, like stuff seems fine. And then all of a sudden, Mia starts acting really fucking weird. She starts, like, she finds this rabbit at home. She brings it in. She starts talking about being um, this, she keeps calling herself, uh, I can't remember the name now, um, but, like, Alice or, what? I think it's Alice or something like that, like, because that, I guess that's the bunny, like, imagery and stuff like that. But Alice, which is actually the name of Sarah's dead sister. And she keeps calling herself that and saying she's Alice and she's come back and all this weird sort of stuff starts going down from there. She's wearing this rabbit mask and whatever else. Um, Sarah Snook's really good in it. The little girl's good in it. Um, decent has some like good cinematography at times and stuff like that. I just feel like it's a you know it really does to me. It just felt like another case of a short like a, a thirty minute. There's a good 30-minute horror story, like good 30-minute elevated horror uh, here, short, but being stretched out to an hour 40, just sort of the pacing goes all the fuckery. Like it's 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 a real like stretch out to build up moments. And I, I don't know if the payoff is going to be enough for some people. I, and I don't feel like the... I don't know. I, I don't feel like the reveal, if you want to call it that, of like what, what it's all about is and the revelation for, for everything is is done very, like, in a, like it's fine, but I don't think it's done well. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I know. It's probably around like a five. All right. Uh, I checked out the new animated film on Netflix, Nomona. Um, so this is directed by Nick Bruno and Troy Quine, uh, based on the graphic novel by N.D. Stevenson, uh, with voices by Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed and Eugene Lee Yang and Francis Conroy. Uh, it's set in this really interesting futuristic, futuristic medieval, or medieval futuristic world. Like, it's as if medieval times happened, everyone was like, we've perfected civilization. And then technology is built on top of it. So there's still knights and that kind of stuff. And there's still a lot of like 
those sort of buildings, a lot of the like aesthetics. There's still like like a bunch of crossbows that like instead of guns and that kind of stuff. Um, but then they've got flying cars and like technology and slates and video and that kind of stuff. Um, so the movie starts with um, Ballister Boldheart, who's played by Riz Ahmed, uh, who is a commoner who gets to become a knight, which is not uh, kind of against the law. He's going to be like the first kind of person. Uh, but then he gets framed for the murder of the queen uh, and has to go on the run. And while he's on the run, he runs into Nimona, who is a shape-shifting uh, person who likes chaos and wants to team up with Balthazar uh, to cause chaos and stuff. Uh, but he kind of just wants to clear his name and uh, find out who framed him, who killed the queen, and why. Um, so then they kind of team up to do all kind of fun shenanigans. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a fantastic story, really interesting messages in their theme, interesting themes, like uh, talking about, like kind of exploring the idea of like stories and like how much you can believe them. I guess it's, it's weirdly like an anti-religion film. <laughs> I'm in. Like, <laughs> it's like, what, you just believe stuff because that's what they told you? You haven't like examined it yourself and that kind of stuff? Um, anti, it's very anti-conformist. Um, but then it's got a lot of heart as well. I feel really enjoyed Nimona. Um, really, she's a fun character. I think the animation was, is um, really interesting. I was going to, like, I still want to watch this, but is uh, Chloe Grace Moritz fine? Because, like, obviously the character's a lot younger than, like, this, she's a lot older now, if people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, believe it or not. Yeah. No, I think she's good. You know? I can't imagine anybody else in the role, but, I mean. Okay. Just because, yeah. She just kind of fits the angsty kind of teen. Um, she d- has some really fun animations and, like, changes into things. She- there's a really weird sequence where she turns she turns into, like, a demon babe- demon child. Uh, she's, like, trying to get, like, a courier to come help her in, a, like, a dark alley. She's talking, like, really creepy, <laughs> which is really fun to watch. Um... I just, yeah, I think it's real. I would have loved to, again, explore a little bit more of the world. Um, I feel like, you know, it, it feels a little bit rushed. That would be my complaint. Like, uh, it just, it feels like the events of the film go very quickly by. I feel like it would have been nice to have been stretched out a little bit more. Um, but even like getting this on the screen is kind of a minor miracle. Um, I don't know because obviously it was being made by Blue Sky. Blue Sky gets acquired by Disney. Dizzy's like, nah, <laughs> uh, no, we can't, we're not. This isn't going to be our first LBGTQ positive film. Um, so let's can this, uh, and somehow it's got picked up by Netflix and Annapurna, um, and we can all watch it. I don't. I actually don't know, like, how much of this was actually from Blue Sky, because like I feel like it was what it was cancelled, uh, cancelled a while ago. Yeah, uh, cancelled in 2021, so I guess. But it's not like they completely started from scratch. Hmm. Um, so I assume they acquired like the actual footage or work that they did finished it. Um, previously or something, which I feel is very uncommon in Hollywood. So hmm. um, It's surprising because usually that sounds like a showcase for this to come out terribly. But, I mean, based, everything you're saying adds up to what I've seen. Yeah, it is. One of the 600 tweets I can read. Um, where people are saying that it's pretty good. It is pretty good. So yeah, I would recommend you check it out because uh, I think you dig it. 
All right, that's everything in our watch history for this week. Let's move into a little bit of film news. Uh, and we, now we know what Greta Gerwig is going to be working on next. Uh, ready or not, it looks like we're heading back to the land of Narnia for another adventure with the Lion, Witch, and a certain magical wardrobe. And it's coming with a very hot with a very hot commodity attached. Multi-hyphenate talent Greta Gerwig is currently riding hard on pre-release hype for the upcoming Barbie movie. But it sure seems she's already getting her ducks in a row for her next major project. Uh, in her interview with the New Yorker, which had a lengthy profile, they just casually confirmed that the, the that Greta Gerwig has a deal set up to with Netflix to write and direct, write and direct at least two films in the upcoming reboot of the Chronicles of Narnia, based on author C.S. Lewis. This is an almost children's series. Um, yeah, in this article they say this would. Only be the latest of out of left field turns for Greta Gerwig after shifting focus from acting to solo directing, and then making Lady Bird, and then a remake of Little Women, and then the Barbie movie. Uh, yeah. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts? I I can't remember. Did we talk about them make remaking the Chronicle? I of Narnia. Cannot... I feel like that is something that we've talked about. I feel like it is, but I don't. I like scrub through like previous uh, um, episode thumbnails in case there was like. <laughs> Use that in one of those. Uh, but no, I couldn't find anything. Um, well, my thoughts on like, if you'd uh, like, without getting into the Greta Gerwig thing, I'm like, I'm, I'm always going to have like a, yeah, about Narnia because I really loved Narnia as a kid, but the movies have never been fantastic. In fact, my favorite one is the, the one I watched as a kid, which I think was the straight to TV movie of the one, the witch in the wardrobe. Um, used to rent it on VHS from the school the school library when I was in like grade four, five, six. This is prior to the the Tilda Swinton t- early two thousands thing. I I think it was just an, like an ABC production or something like that. So, mm. um, but I read all the books, like rent rented them from the library and everything like that. So, like I I like the I like the Narnia the Chronicles of Narnia as a franchise, but obviously the movies have been very hit and miss. Um, and mainly because I feel like especially as I got older and you start to realize the books are sort of weirdly like fantasy, but like have such a religious undertone, but like, it's almost like they're anti-religion. <laughs> Maybe that's why they never wanted to do them properly. I mean, you, you can't when like once you, once you get older and you start realizing you have a line laying on the table, being sacrificed, coming back to life. Like, you know, like there's just so much religious undertone <laughs> to this franchise. <laughs> um, but that's also, I guess, the interesting part to getting someone like Greta Gerwig to do it. I'm like, okay, I I don't have the same reaction that everyone else did. I I find it weird. So people uh, film Twitter, while we can still call them that, uh, reaction to this has been, oh, uh, it's almost like they thought they lost her for one, like it was Barbie, but then she was going to be back to making like indie movies, sort of, yeah, sort of thing. And people are like, no, like how dare she? Like this is terrible. How dare she want to make huge movies and make a yeah. bunch of money? And I'm like, is it even like, I don't think it's like a money thing for her, but like, what no. if she generally just likes making... I, I don't know. I saw the quote that she wants to make big blockbuster movies. Yeah. What if she generally just has an interest in big blockbuster movies now? Because the other thing is people like, let's not forget the fact that for the last like 20 years of her career, she's either been acting, writing, re- recently directing, but she spent the majority of her early career writing and directing, uh, writing, acting and producing indie movies big like small budget indie movies so 
fuck her for wanting to do it to <laughs> like I, i'm very I, I i don't share in that sentiment um nani is a weird franchise to to, to jump aboard but you know what i'm fucking i i'm definitely more keen on this with someone like her attached to it than you would have been you i am be it random other person generic white dude you know what i mean like i feel like greta gerwig ha- hopefully especially it'll even even more so if i watch barbie and i'm like it's as good as we hope and she proves herself i guess in the big budget space uh blockbuster space with that in particular then i i'm gonna be i'm gonna put my hand up and say i'm all aboard the greta gerwig narnia train yeah uh i'm on board as well i think you know uh, so reading, <laughs> apparently, 2018, in October, uh, October 2018, there's, uh, it was announced that Chronicles of Narnia uh, was being brought to, acquired by Netflix, I guess, or being made into a bunch of films by Netflix. So it's been in the works. They've like try, been trying to make it for like five years. So um, why not attach yourself to like one of the rising stars of Hollywood and like... Uh, one of the biggest name directors currently with a massive film about to come out. Um, yeah, I really don't have much of attachment to the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> like I've watched the movies in cinemas and that was it kind of, I didn't you know, even the watch kid the... really wanted to eat to- Turkish light. You know? <laughs> I didn't even watch the, the second one they did. I need the, I know they made one here in Queensland. <laughs> the, the door, the one with the ship. Yeah. Dawn Treader or whatever. Yeah. That was a big thing. Never saw that movie. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Greta Goway, get that bag. Um, it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah this is the one. Did like, you say that? I just looked it up in case you didn't. I don't know if she was doing it while I was talking about 1988 TV miniseries. Oh. It's a TV miniseries, not a movie. But I think the VHS I was watching must have like got rid of the miniseries part and just linked them together. But yeah, so. Eight episodes, 1988, Blind the Witch in the Wardrobe, starred, uh, who we got? Richard Dempsey. There you go. Okay. Go off. Wow. But th- this is good. If you can find this, I suggest it. Right. I haven't watched it for years. However, I have very fond memories. Do a Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I have a lot more fond memories than this than the, because the thing is, everything in this, of course, no, 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 BB, no, no. Yeah, it is, it's a BBC uh, straight to B. Yeah. It's all costumes and stuff. It has like a more natural like feel. And then the movie, yeah. the 2005 movie, it's all yeah. CGI fuckfest. It's all CGI. All I remember of that movie is kid wants Turkish delight and gets upset when she won't get any more. Yeah. They go in the wardrobe, Tilda Swinton's some sort of witch, and James McAvoy's a goat. Well, the, the other weird thing, yeah, all those are correct <laughs> facts, facts, but the other weird thing about the franchise in general is that the books, after they were released, and I think C.S. Lewis dies, and then like he, he when he was writing them, he did that whole thing. It's like wrote one first and then was writing prequels. But you know, back then before we had this, this universe stuff, you just wrote books and said they were set before you didn't need to worry about like explaining it's a prequel. So then, but after, so yeah, I, I will be interested to see in what order they choose to do the films. Like do this stuff. They, do they go to the line, the witch in the wardrobe, which is considered the first book and is the first book. Well, it's the, easiest, the, is the entry point. However, chronologically, it is not the first in the franchise. Yeah. Long, yeah well i feel like again netflix so i mean i'm sure you know if they can find a way to make this huge franchise there'll be people making prequels and sequels and uh a bunch of movies so yeah well my uh, my, my other thing is we're going deeper on this yeah sure 
I, in a combination of many things, factors, A, the the books, the kids and everything, British. Mm. Author, British. 1988 series, Dylan Likes, British. What they do when they try to make these 2005, 2000, like, late 2000 movies? They're all British, right? Nope, they weren't. They were acting British. <laughs> I'm pretty sure James McAvoy tells when James British. McAvoy is British. They didn't make it British enough. Now, okay, I'm so, not going to pretend to be curious. So the solution is get an American actress to direct. <laughs> but if they come out and Netflix is setting this in fucking America, I'm out. No, of course not. They don't have wardrobes. Because there's a part. No, that's a spoiler. <laughs> there is a key part, not in this, not in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. There's a key part in one of the other ones that like a key scene I have in my mind from one of the books, right? Ever since I read it as a mm. kid imagining it they've never done this this book but there's a key part that takes place in like london like epic moment and i i cannot have it's like if they if if netflix is the one place to finally do all i think it's seven books six seven books mm. if netflix is the one place to do all books finally and i get to that it's moment i've had in my mind <laughs> since i was like fucking 10 and they said it yeah in fucking baltimore i'm fucking done like you can't do that to me i've had this moment in this from this book in my mind for like my whole life no, I think they'll be they'll just stick true, you know. That's why Aslan will be voiced by Sasha Ronan. Um, <laughs> why not? Like, She's British, technically. Sasha Ronan should play um, the ice ice queen. Put that out there, <laughs> the White Witch. Yeah, yeah that 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 would actually be a cool fit. Um, other big news: we finally have. Our Superman and Lois. Mm. It's getting confirmed. Uh, finally. Uh, James Gunn has found his Superman and Lois after a lengthy search. David Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan will star in Superman Legacy, the film that will launch DC's new universe under writer director Gunn and his DC Studios co boss Peter Safran. Uh, of course, Sweat and Brosnahan were among six actors who vied for the lead roles with Gunn film testing. Filming test screens over the June 17th weekend with Nicholas Holt and Tom Brittany. Uh, also in contention for Bat Superman and Emma Mackey and Phoebe Diamond in the running for Lost Lane. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a good fit. Everybody should be happy. Internet, I don't think, has gone off too much. Um, There's nowhere to go off. <laughs> that's true. That's a, They might have killed it off a little bit. Uh, of course, you've still got the Zack Snyder fans like upset that anybody else is playing superman but uh i'm happy because i called it ages ago uh very happy that david consort is playing superman because i feel like he's a good fit obviously he's got that droves uh christopher reeves look um and obviously a little not a terribly overexposed actor um so that's very exciting also rachel brosnahan i feel like is a really interesting fit for lois lane if she brings any of her marvelous miss marzel mazel energy you know, doing a full-on roast of uh, Superman, the comedy bits. It'll be a lot of fun. I feel like she's actually a really good fit with like James Gunn. So yeah, what do you think? No, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, that's my honest thoughts. Is I'm like, I don't care. Like, whatever, man. Fucking <laughs> everyone's like getting so interested in the casting for this. They're like, this is your last line of Superman. I'm like, cool. Sure. 
I've I've like nearly no thoughts on this. I I think I'm 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 at a I'm at a nearly DC News non give zero fucks about. It, I think I don't know what it would take to get me excited about DC at this point. To be honest, like I don't, I just don't. Money. What pay me to get excited or yeah, maybe. <laughs> if they want to pay me to get excited but currently i just don't give a fuck about dc it's hard and something against james gunn is just like like i just i don't know why i care i don't know why you're I not care. pumped for aquaman no or blue beetle no so like they've got all their upcoming movies i don't care about the one that they've got in the cinema at the moment i don't care about the one they released before prior to that it's on streaming now i think i could rent it if i want i don't care Shazam. about it the only one I cared about, they cancelled. Yeah. So why do I care? You know, they're like, here's your Superman and, and Lois Lane. I go, I don't know that Superman dude, but I, I see Ash making this funny joke on Twitter. I'm like, good for you. I'm like, Rachel yeah. Brosnahan. I'm like, sure, I can picture her as Lois. That's about, yeah, that was my thoughts. All right. Uh, let's pick you up a little bit. Uh, it was... <laughs> Uh, so they just announced the nominations for this year's Television Critics Awards. I'm pretty sure that's what TCA stands for. Yes, TCA Awards. Uh, and we got, I'm just going to mention a couple of categories. Individual Achievement and Drama. So they haven't got like gendered uh, roles. So Individual Achievement and Drama. The nominees are Kristen Baranski for The Good Fight, Kieran Colford for Succession, Dominic Fishback for Swarm, Betty Gilpin for Mrs. Davis, Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, Bella Ramsey for The Last of Us, Sarah Stuck for Succession, Jeremy Strong for Succession, Ray Seahorn for Better Call Saul. Interesting, she's nominated, not Bob Odenkirk. I mean, look, let me put it this way. They should both be nominated, but if I had to pick one, and I, I reckon I reckon Bob well, Odenkirk okay. would back me up, they got the right norm, you know? Alright. Yeah, she uh, needs to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh Interval Achievement in Comedy, the nominees are Quinta Brunson, uh for Albert Elementary, and Barry for the Bear, Harrison Ford for Shrinking, Bill Hader for Barry, Janelle James for Albert Elementary, Natasha Leone for pa- Poker Face, James Marsden for Jury Duty, and Jeremy Allen White for the Bear. And then the nominees for Best Program are Abbott Elementary, Andor, Better Call Saul, Poker Face, Succession, The Bear, The Last of Us, the other two, and The White Lotus. Can I just say, I've, I don't think I've talked about it, but I've, I'm like, I've watched like the first two episodes. I'm just slowly watching that, um, the court case thing, whatever. What was that? You just said uh, it. Uh, uh, jury duty. Jury duty. I've watched, watched the first two episodes, I think now. It's pretty funny. James right. Robinson. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'll, I'm not going to, I have zero plans to binge watch it by next week, but like. No, we'll I'm, talk about it. Okay. Because it is the, an interesting setup. <laughs> it is an interesting setup, yeah. Uh, all right, let's move into giving some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, let's kick things off with Heels Season 2, uh, created by Michael Waldron, starring Stephen Amell, Alexander Ludwig, Elson Luff, uh, Mary McCormick, Kelly Berglund, uh, Alan Maldonado, James Harrison, Roxton Garcia, and Chris Bauer. Season 2 begins after a spectacular showing at the South Georgia State Fair, and the Duffy Wrestling League's popularity is suddenly on the upswing. Hoping to seize the opportunity, Jack and his cohorts prepare for a possible business deal with a new streaming service, 
they may propel them onto a national stage. But the past and its tragedies threaten to upset everything when Ace leaves Duffy and the Dome in his rear view. Meanwhile, rival promotion Florida Wrestling Dystopia's vengeful frontman Gully comes calling. Tell him what did you think of the first trailer for the new season of Heels? Yeah, it looks really good. I mean, it looks like more Heels. I don't really know. Like, I'll, I'll go one up, one down for the trailer. I feel like it was a fine, fine enough trailer. I'm keen for more Heels. Um, I, I think that other thing I had was watching it, being reminded uh, how annoyed I am that one of plot lines for this show is actually like that women wrestler should be that, that girl should she be allowed to wrestle like i'm like that's like sort of the one i think annoying. absolutely nobody said that <laughs> it was like one of the storylines of the first season like is like they have no women's division and fucking Stephen mills character order just okay. being like now oh, you're bad god we know women women wrestlers <laughs> like, and then watching that the trailer not what Stephen Mills <laughs> sounds like at all I know he's putting on an accent. Save this muscle. city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll go one up, one down. I'm definitely keen to watch it. We 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 both enjoyed the first season. Um, but yeah, I uh, CM Punk's in this. Let's hope hopefully didn't start any fight with anyone in the background. You know, that's fine. No, it's well, it's it's actually funny. What's <laughs> what's what, what was his name again? Something rabies. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, biting motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we know what he was doing like during yeah. his, his extensive break, uh, and he brought his wife with him. So that's that's cool. Yeah. Nepotism. Yeah. Uh, that's what we want to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give, no, I'll give it two thumbs up. I think it was a solid like trailer for a se- second season of a TV show. Uh, they're trickier to do, I feel like, um, than something brand new. Um, yeah, I think they kind of set up a lot of the stakes and ideas, give us a hint of what exactly is going to happen over the season. Um, he gives you glimpses of a lot of new characters. You get to see a bit of uh, what's his name, Josh Segarra. Uh, I'm keen yeah, for Josh Segarra. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, uh, and then what, what's happening with Ace? Okay, what are you doing, buddy? He's been a fuckhead. Is he? What do you think of the odds that he's doing the dude in the hoodie at the end? I don't know. It's not a, that's not Ace. No, it could be. All I know is Ace is a little bitch. <laughs> All right. Build on me. I'm fucking got me. Oh, fucking, oh, fucking bitch. Great. Uh, so yes, heels will be releasing on stand starting July 28th, same day as the US. Uh, next trailer: Happiness for Beginners, directed by Vicky Wright, starring Ellie Kemper, Luke Grimes, Nico Santos, Blythe Danner, and Ben Cook. A year after a divorce, 32-year-old Helen Carpenter. Uh, let's her brother persuade her to sign up for a wilderness survival course. Through this experience, she discovers that you just have to get lost to find yourself. So, what do you think of this trailer? Yeah, this is. An, I'm going to double thumbs down. This isn't. This isn't a. This isn't a Dylan film. This is a very like, paint by numbers, feel good sort of. Oh, fucking yeah, go out here to find. Oh, I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah, double thumbs down. Not for me. I'm sorry. I mean, it's one up, one down for me. I think it looks solid, like a plain, mediocre rom com, I guess. It's a fuck- is it a rom com or is it just a straight romance? It's a little bit of comedy. It's, it's, yeah, as you know, Dylan, she falls on the sharpest rock. On the- <laughs> in yeah. and then she, in the he, touched, he touched her skin. What are the odds that they're going to find stray dogs here mm. in the middle of the wilderness? Pretty fucking unlikely. Mm. Uh, and I love seeing uh, Nico Santos in Mostoff. 
So good for you, mate. Uh, so this is coming to Netflix on July 27th. Next trailer is for Full Circle, created by Ed Solomon, starring Zazie Beetz, Claire Danes, Jim Gaffigan, Gerald Jerome, uh, Timothy Oliphant, CCH Pounder, and Dennis Quaid. An investigation into a botched kidnapping uncovers long-held secrets connecting multiple characters and cultures in present-day New York City. So what do you think of this new series directed by Steven Soderbergh? Yeah, double thumbs up. I know what the hell's going on, but yeah, cast is great. Looks really intriguing. Lots of hectic action and scenes and people yelling. And then it says directed by Steven Soderbergh. And I said, call him in. And yeah, double thumbs up. This is double thumbs down for me. This is a terrible trailer. (laughs) I don't know what the hell is going on. Why I should be interested. Who the hell these characters are. Why they're just... Like they're doing exactly what you said, but I clearly have the opposite reaction. They're just yelling at the screen, saying same random lines about how things will come back. Opening there's safes. a secret. You're not supposed to know the secret's like part of the plot. They did something no. in the past. Yeah, the secret is the secret they don't have is how to get my attention. <laughs> I hope this speaks to the things. I'm like, double thumbs up for this one, double thumbs down for the romance one. You're like, romance one, good. Weird Steven Soderbergh thing, bad. <laughs> All right, uh, Full Circle is coming to binge on the 27th of July. Next trailer Dreamin' Wilds, uh, directed by Bill Pollard, uh, starring Casey Affleck, Walton Goggins, Zoe Deschanel, Noah Jupe, Jack Dylan Get Razor, uh, Chris Messina, Bo Bridges. What if a childhood dream suddenly comes true, but 30 years later? That's what happened to singer-songwriter Donnie Emerson. His dream of success suddenly and unexpectedly came true, but only as he was approaching 50 years old. And while it brought hopes of second chances, it also brought ghosts of the past along with varied emotions as Donnie, his brother Joe, and their entire family came to terms with their newly found fame, Dreaming Wild. It's an incredible true story of love, hope, guilt, family, and responsibility. Don't watch the thing of this trailer for Dreaming Wild. Yeah, double thumbs off for the trailer. I know absolutely nothing about like what the like this group is and like their music or anything. Like, and, and from my understanding, it's a more recent thing that <laughs> happened in like the two thousands or whatever. That that's where it's set, right? So, that... it, it, Christmas Cena's character has had the podcast, right? I mean, surely. <laughs> no, like that. Like what? He's writing articles. Yeah, no, that's about records. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, surely. Um, yeah, great cast and everything. Well put together trailer. I'm, I'm intrigued. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go double thumbs up. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Um, looks interesting. Uh, interesting story. Uh, I guess the the Christmas Santa thing feels a little on the nose. It ve- seems very far fetched that, that suddenly this record from 30 years would come back and be a big deal from obscurity. Um, but it looks interesting. I googled it. Uh, it says that's what's happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it says based on a true story. It's just, it's hard to believe, um, which is cool for a true story, I guess. Um, yeah, good cast. Funny, the funny thing that abused me um, was obviously they did like they do the char- the actor char- title cards, like, you know, where they show the character and the name comes up. Mm. They go on for Noah Jupe. They don't have one for Jack Dylan Grazer. Which of those two do you think is more famous? Jack Dylan Grazer? That would be my opinion as well. Yeah. So it's weird that he's he doesn't get a card. So yeah. Uh all right. 
So this is coming to American audiences on August 4th. No Australian release date. Last trailer for this week. Five Nights at Freddy's. Directed by Emma Tammy. Starring Josh Hutchinson, Elizabeth Lale, Piper Rubio, and Matthew Lillard. A troubled security guard accepts a nighttime job at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, a once successful abandoned family entertainment center, where he discovers its four animatronic mascots, Freddy Fazbear, Bonnie, Chica, and Foxy, move and kill anyone that is there still after midnight. Tell them what you think of trailer for Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm going one up, one down. Like, I'm... I'm shocked that there's some sort of like plot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But otherwise, like I I've no I've no care for this franchise or anything like that. Um I'm I'm definitely intrigued to watch it because it's it's still one of the biggest like video game franchises of probably the last ten years or whatever. Like kids love this shit. There was a there was a stage there where there was like up to five night Freddy's. You'd look on the app store and it was just all, you know. Five Night Freddy's. Everyone just downloading these. Seems games. like there's like at least six games. In yeah, there's a million any, at like, any given time. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm keen to watch it. But yeah, I'll go one up, one down for the trailer. I've no like yeah. Obviously, it doesn't help when I just don't care for the franchise or anything. But yeah, I'm shocked. There's actual plot here. It seems like there's stuff that makes the idea of the game work like somewhat for the, the sake of the movie. But yeah, yeah, I go one up and down. Yeah, one up, one down as well. Um. Again, surprising there is plot. <laughs> surprising that they showed so much plot, I guess. It's like, hey guys, we need you to know there is actually a story here. There is characters. Um, there is a reason that these animatronics are trying to murder these children. That's because they want to put eat them? I don't know. Mm. Combine the souls. The, the dead souls have been fused inside these animatronics and they want other children to join them. Uh, anyway, cut it. Very messed up. Um... Or it seems very unwise to bring your kid to your job in any context. I don't care if it's at night time. Mm. Uh, you know, pretty bad parenting. <laughs> whatever. I don't know if it's a parent or he's just a legal guardian or whatever. Um, but yeah, it looks fine. I think the thing that's concerning is it is releasing in America, in theaters, and on Peacock at the exact same time. Which is regularly not a good sign. <laughs> Uh, see Halloween Kills as a prime example. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's is releasing in Australian cinemas on the twenty sixth of October. I'd, I'd like to give a shout out to a trailer we talked about last week, which I recently saw in cinemas again, um, and I decided I hate the name of anymore. And that film is Force of Nature: The Dry Two. And I was sitting in the cinema, and when it popped up recently, and it said The Dry Two. I was like, that's so fucking dumb. I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Just as an extra note. I so, think I said I didn't like the title last time we talked about it, but then I had a visceral reaction, and I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. This week's top three. Top three 2023 films we've missed so far. So, Dylan, if you go to any single film website this past week mm. since it best hit July. Best movies of 2023 so far. There's been a best movies of 2023 Not so us, far. Not us, though. a fake website. <laughs> <laughs> that would require too much effort. Um, yeah, so I thought 
here's what we got. What movies have we missed? Have we not watched that we think we should have by now? So yeah, Dylan, what's your number three? So I did go. I I tried to. I've got. This to, was actually one of the hardest lists. I think. Yeah, I could have just gone for all the the easy picks. I think like, like for instance, I don't have um. Fuck! What's a uh, Wes Anderson's new one on here? Uh, Asteroid City. It's not out yeah, yet, right? Because you can't see it. Yeah, not out yet. However, I have some stuff on here that doesn't have Australian release stage that has been out for a while in America. Oh, uh, interesting. So I, I picked all stuff that I could have watched, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah. So I drew my line at stuff I know has an Australian release date that just isn't out yet. But my my number one and number two are stuff that doesn't have Australian release dates, but has been out in America. Okay. So I, I tried to make my own rules for... Okay. But my number three... Again, fun list. Fun, yeah. com- fun two fun different lists. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my number three is uh, an interesting one. So I actually went with Extraction 2. Okay. Because everyone's been talking about it, and I, I kind of want to watch it more now. Like the general like vibe of you know it's not great, but it's a bit of fun. But I'm very I'm also like well I have to make time to watch the first one. I'm not just jumping straight into the second one. So that means I have to watch Extraction One. Then I watch Extraction Two. Um, everyone said there's a really cool fight scene in it. I mean, if I get to the end of the year, and this is like it's it's definitely not going to be Mission Impossible quality or whatever. But you know, like it's a, a good good fun action film so I've, I've been feeling a little bit messed out this this past week I've, I've seen a few people saying it was like decent fun so and i was like i can't watch it yet i gotta watch the first one so that's my number three okay uh my number three is a little film called return to soul this was uh, a film that released last year but finally hit australian cinemas this year uh i think it was oscar nominated i can't remember uh but about a korean-born girl who grew up in france but then goes back to seoul um apparently very rave reviews across the board uh so you know 97 on the rotten tomatoes uh just released on like rental no, so. it's been out for rental for a while and i say this because i've had just it. released <laughs> no i've because i've had it sitting on my fucking apple tv yeah. watch list for Watched ages <laughs> yeah. and i was nearly gonna put it on my list and i was like can i justifiably say that when i've been sitting here for a month not having actually put in the effort to just rent it <laughs> like, you know like is that is that a yeah i, mean, I, I really want to watch this movie <laughs> like i didn't it's films we've missed so far yeah, so okay. once we haven't got yeah. so yeah uh yeah that's my number three dylan what's your number two my number two is The Outer Waters. So this is a horror film that came out um, earlier. I think it was like around February or something like that. Um, it doesn't have an Australian release date yet. I actually don't know much about it. All I know is it was scaring the living fuck out of people. And people kept saying it was like one of the scariest things they've watched in ages. I think it's like a fan footage type thing. I've not watched the trailer. I've not watched anything. I've seen people also have reactions of this is the worst horror movie ever made. And then also say it's the best horror movie. And then like all, the, all these things. All I know is it's highly talked about horror movie of the year i need to watch it i need to have my two cents um but because i refuse to watch the trailer i just sort of want to go in um and i've seen a lot of people say that it's best to just go in not knowing anything and it'll it'll just be like a wild ride um so i don't i don't know anything about it but i want to watch it (laughs) uh my number two is similar vein it's patan so this is the is uh, the big Bollywood action film of the year. It seemed to be, from what I've seen, the triple R of this year. 
uh, crazy action thriller, uh, played in cinemas, made a the highest grossing one of the year, I think, uh, made a bunch of, made a solid amount of money here in Australia, got rave reviews, one, regarded as one of the best action movies of the year. Uh, so yeah, I'll have to check that out. Apparently it is streaming on Prime Video now, so, um, yeah. Patan, I think I'm saying it right. Pathan, Pathan. It's words. Still, what's the number one? The number one is how to blow up a pipeline. So this is a movie I really, really want to watch. Still don't have an Australian release date. Probably won't come out until next year. I don't know, but I like as far as movies that have come out so far this year, and I've seen people talk about it like months ago because that's when I think it was shown in America earliest months ago. Um, this is still sitting very high on my list of things I would love to watch ASAP. All right. My number one is another movie that I could have seen by now, but just have not gotten around to doing it. After Sun. Uh, the Charlotte Wells film that everybody seemed to be talking about uh, end of last year. Everybody have seen seemed to have seen last year, but only really seen here in Australian cinemas uh, this year. Um Apparently a fantastic performance by Paul Mescal. Earned him an Academy Award nomination. Haven't watched it yet. You know? I think it was Buddy's favorite movie of last year. I think it was, memory. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was Triangle Sadness. But this was favorite. on their list. Another movie that he... Yeah. yeah, it was very high on his list. Haven't watched it. I like how your list is like, his stuff I could have watched, but I haven't. And mine's like, his movies I'd love to watch, but I can't. <laughs> Apart <laughs> from one. Like, one or two. <laughs> yeah, this is, the, this is my motivation to get around and watching those movies, putting myself on blast. My list like, is to try and get people. Yeah, mine far. is the poor Australian can't please. watch the. Please release your movies here. A twenty four yeah. and whoever does out of words. Actually, I don't uh, know who's fucking well, doing that. Um, shout out to Nadine Whitney who put out a tweet. Uh, you know how they've got the apparently the Barbie movies banned in Vietnam because yeah, they've got the they got the three dots. Yeah, but... she made she made a joke that uh, because. Tasmania is not, not on the map. Yeah, that was pretty part funny. of Australia that's that has been banned. Yeah. Banned in Tasmania. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, it's not banned here. Um, still flicks with yeah, the tricks well, screening next week. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, Dylan, this week. God fucking damn it, man. I, I mean, it's not need... that hard this week. <laughs> you, I don't, it's really the, not the that hard. The answer is Mission Impossible, but I need to pick a TV show. <laughs> All right. So mo- the movie is Mission Impossible. Uh, what's it called? Dead Reckoning? Yes. Part one. Part one. Yes. Oh, got it. Cool. Obviously, that's the, the thing I care the most about. Um, so we're watching that on Saturday. What a weird time. Booked my ticket already. It is. Again, um, trying desperately to get away from Oppenheimer and Barbie. As far odd. as they possibly could. Uh, also, it's kind of weird that Australia has become the press center of the world. Because of the... Where Tom city. Cruise had been opening here in Australia. Yeah. Margot Robbie and Gary Gerwig are doing laps of Australia. with <laughs> doing a bunch of press here as well. Um, that's another interesting, actually, wrinkle of why Elemental and probably uh, Indiana Jones didn't do well at the box office is there's no late night TV shows, so they got no interview talk shows running at the moment that were, you know, usually uh, get people to go watch movies. So yeah, uh, yeah. What what you found on the TV front? Um, I got nothing actually. I don't think I got nothing. So yeah, I'll just pick one movie and call it a day. I mean, I'm watching uh, a set. I'll, I'll give a runner-up movie then. Joyride, I'm watching on Wednesday. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mission Impossible, Joyride, what a fantastic double feature of people doing crazy stunts. Mm. <laughs> like, pulling stuff out of the butt. Yep. Um, 
on the TV front, so there's uh, on Disney Plus they're doing this animated anthology series called Kizazu Moto, which they talked about Disney Plus day a few years ago. It's like a anthology series done by a bunch of African animation studios. Um, that looks cool and probably is the most interesting new release TV series this week. Uh, yeah. Well, let us know what you are excited to watch this week by going to explosionoak.com slash Twitter, maybe if it's still working, but also definitely explosionoak.com slash Discord. Uh, if you want to help us out here at what do you want to watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser, leave five stars, any we can leave five stars, uh, or just tell people about the show. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our coach page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.